Unstoppable Success Radio, Episode 75. Welcome to Unstoppable Success Radio, helping entrepreneurs, CEOs, and business owners around the world skyrocket their sales and multiply their profits. Now, here's your host, Kelly Roach. Welcome to Unstoppable Success Radio. I am your host, Kelly Roach, and I am so honored to have with me the CEO and co-founder of CAD Africa. So today I want to welcome to the show Eric and Rebecca Kaduru, husband and wife team, and um, those individuals that are just making such a huge difference in the world. Typically when I welcome people to the show, Rebecca and Eric, I give a bio and an intro on them. But honestly, the work that you're doing is so big and it's so uh, powerful that I really I, I can't put it into words. I want to let you guys um, give an overview and description um, of what you're doing with Cat Africa and and can you just share a little bit with our listeners a, a, about the entire program and organization that you're running there? Okay, um, so I'll just quickly introduce myself. Uh, my name is Eric Kaduru. I am a half Kenyan, half Ugandan farmer. I live in Western Uganda in a town called Fort Portal, and um, we grow passion fruit. We also run an, a program which works with out-of-school girls, age 16 to 22, where we teach them a bunch of skills focusing mainly on agriculture, financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and life skills. And yeah, just try and help them start a livelihood focused on agriculture. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, and and Rebecca, tell us a little bit about your background, and um, I would love to hear the story of how you guys met and how you began this venture together and why you began this venture together. Um, yeah, so I'm actually from California, and um, I came out to Uganda in 2010. I was working for um, an organization that did social entrepreneurship training in secondary schools, um, and Eric and I actually met at a fashion show. Uh, which is has nothing to do with agriculture. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. Um, and we were both working in Kampala um, and kind of decided we would do something a little bit different. And uh, we moved out west. Eric said we live in Fort Portal. And, um, yeah, we decided to start a farm. And it kind of intrinsically just grew into this outgrower program that we have today, working with out-of-school girls. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, uh, it, neither of us were involved in agriculture before. It was kind of just the the want to do something different, to not be in a nine to five office job. Yeah, uh, definitely. Well, you guys have definitely accomplished that. So, you know, in in Uganda, you know, I know more than 70% of the households in Uganda are growing food on a subsistence basis only. So there's you know, essentially no income. And so farming is not really seen as a business, um, more as kind of a chore that's delegated. So tell us a little bit more about that. Like, explain, can you go deeper into that for our listeners here today? Um, yeah, sure. So, uh, we, and we didn't even, I would say we didn't necessarily realize this until we started farming ourselves. Um, but 
but genuinely in Uganda, what we've found, and it has been changing over the past few years, but especially when we first started, people didn't really want to farm. It wasn't seen as something that was sexy. Um, it was seen as something that maybe your grandparents did mm -hmm. or something that someone did if they had no training or no education to do anything else. Um, and a lot of youth in Uganda, especially in the, the countryside, uh, their dream is to move to Kampala and move okay. to the, the capital city and work um, work in the capital city, which oftentimes means just sitting behind a desk in an office um, or maybe driving a boda boda, which is um, kind of a motorcycle taxi that's really popular here. And so what we found is w when we started the f uh, came out to start the farm, people weren't really interested. Um, people weren't necessarily interested in working for us. People didn't really understand why the two of us, me as an American woman and my husband as, you know, a really educated Ugandan wanted to, to farm. Um, and so overcoming kind of that stigma has been, I think, one of our biggest obstacles and at the same time, one of the things we're most proud of achieving. And so we've, uh, as Eric said, kind of the key goal of our program is to get girls um, to view agriculture as a sustainable livelihood option. So as something that really is a good option for young people in Uganda to be able to make money. Got it. Okay. And so for these girls, like, why do you feel it's so important? Like, let's, let's, let's kind of give the listeners an overview of kind of where the girls are when they first initially come to you, and then kind of where you're able to get them to and what happens after they've worked with you. Um, so initially, when we first uh, recruit the girls from the community, we focus on girls who are out of school, who don't have, who are like orphans, who don't have the opportunity to progress further in school. Because mainly, most families here, when it comes to educating your kids in the in rural areas of Uganda, they'll pretty much pick the boys over the girls. So the the main idea is to get the girls involved in a program where they're actually learning things that could lead to like a business opportunity or to an opportunity to go back to school. So we go out to these communities. We, we work with several different churches. And um, so the Catholic Church, the Church of Uganda, and we don't discriminate on, on religion. So anyone involved in, in this community can, can, can be recruited to the program. So we ask the guys, the girls, to get uh, permission slips from their parents, their guardians, or the local chairperson to allow them to participate in the program. They come in, and then they start going through this intense six-month curriculum. So okay. we start okay. off with uh, providing them with a big piece of land, usually around 30 girls on a three-acre plot. And each girl receives 60 seedlings, 60 passion fruit seedlings. And from that, they move into the classes. So we start with like financial classes where they learn about savings, how to balance sheets. Oh, wow. And uh, okay. and then they go, go into their health classes. So they learn about like basic hygiene, sexual reproduction, uh, sanitary health. So like we, we work with another company that teaches girls how to make sanitary pads using local materials. And then... They graduate from that, but they continue on for two years doing agriculture. So the agricultural aspect of this program is what we consider the most important part because that's when they start making money from their passion. Right. Okay. No, that's yeah. beautiful. So they actually, uh, you're, you're essentially getting them into business for themselves so that not only they're producing food that they can live off of, but also they have sustainable income. 
Exactly, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, and even to add on that, Kelly, it's not even to produce food that they can live on, live off of. It's the idea of producing food to make money and mm-hmm. then using that mm-hmm. income to be able to purchase, you know, food for yourself, supplies for yourself. Right. Um, just, you know, household items so that you can, you know, just live um, kind of to break that subsistence farming trend. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, beautiful. That's great. That's great. And so these girls are actually with you guys for what? what is it in total? How long is the program? Two and a half to three years. Wow. Wow. That, so that that's a big commitment for, for you guys. And, and you're really seeing them go through a, a huge transformation, right? Yeah. To the right. To the right. Essentially, they become part of the Cad Africa family. Yeah. And, and then when they're done the program, how does it work from there? Like what happens when they're complete? Yeah. So we have, um, I mean, they graduate from the curriculum program within six months. Um, and then we continue to provide them with, the kind of agriculture support. So the girls, as they're learning, they're also saving. Um, And we usually find that even before the girls start harvesting, they're able to save as a group between, you know, three to five hundred dollars, which is really amazing. And so the idea is that after they've gone through the training, after they've started earning, they're also taking over the expenses of managing their own farms. Um, And so so yeah, so they so we keep continuing to send kind of an agriculture advisor out once a week. Okay. We continue working with them to manage their savings program um, for two years after they graduate the curriculum. And um, the idea behind that is that the lifespan of the passion fruit plants is about two to three years. So we'll stick with them until that point. Um, after which they should have earned their own amount of money. They should have been saving. And if they would like to, you know, replicate their farms and start over again, we're happy to to help them through that process. And, you know, we have a grower network that we work with um, of more established farmers. And, and our goal is for them to be able to join that network. But ultimately, it's up to them to choose. If, if they want to farm for two years and go through and, you know, get the support that they can and then take the income they earn to open a different business. You know, um, we have a lot of girls who want to open a hair salon or, you know, a a small shop, then that's totally up to them. Okay. Okay. No, that's great. Can you guys speak a little bit to um, what is happening in Uganda and, you know, why you're so passionate about this work and just kind of some trends and some facts and figures just so that people can understand like the scope of what you're doing and, and, you know, why it matters and, and all of that. Yeah. So, and in the area where we are, which is, uh, we're, in, we're not in the capital, we're in a rural area. Um, so one of the things, I mean, I mean, there's a combination of factors as to why we kind of set up the program the way we did, um, to first start with out of school girls, uh, you find that we're talking a very small percentage, less than 30% of girls finish primary school. Um, you have, you know, maybe 15% of that 30% going on to just, be schooled until they're 18 years old. Mm -hmm. And usually women don't own land. So only 7%, the last time I looked it up, 7% of the land that's titled to women in Uganda, or 7% of the land in Uganda is titled to women. Mm -hmm. Um, So this kind of creates a really, really vulnerable situation um, where girls, you know, they, they aren't necessarily educated. They don't have the resources to earn. um, And they're really just, you know, there's a lot of, there's still dowry practice here. So kind of the goal for a lot of families is to marry off 
um, their daughter. And, and that's the way they'll kind of get money back is by mm-hmm. having a daughter and marrying her off. And then on the other side, I mean, we have um, a climate that is we have really high altitude. Um, so a lot of people, it's funny, you know, people will say, oh, you guys are from Africa. It must be really hot there. Um, and we always laugh because it's not particularly hot where we are. Um, I mean, I think today it was maybe 70 degrees and it, it rains quite a bit. And so the, the climate is really good for passion fruit. And, um, but interestingly enough, 70% of the fruit in Uganda is imported. Um, and so that's why we decided to kind of combine the two things, which is, you know, how can we help these out of school girls and where is there a market gap? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Wow. Unbelievable. And so for you guys, how do you um, expand and, and continue the work that you're doing? Can you talk a little bit about how you gain support for the program and, you know, w- what that process looks like for you guys? Um, so the, the interesting thing was uh, our partnership with uh, the churches, because it turns out that uh, like the largest landowner in Uganda is the church. So partnering with the church was a was a, a good strategic move in the sense that the church wants to help the community and especially people who don't have anything to do around their community. But they also want to prevent people from like squatting on their land. And you find that a lot of their land is untitled. So they have issues with someone moving on the squatter laws here. Like if you live on someone's property for seven years, you then have a right to claim it as your own. So this actually worked out perfectly for us because we were able to like talk to the church and, and convince them that it would be a good opportunity for them to help people in their communities by providing them with land. And then this helps this marginalized community of girls by providing them with access to land, something that they didn't have. So that's been, been enabled us to actually grow quicker than we we initially planned without using a lot of capital to purchase land or to lease land to have our our girls work on wow that is unbelievable and and how many girls have gone through the program now at this point approximately um well we just actually launched three new cooperatives um which is an additional 90 girls so i think we've crossed 1700 girls. Wow, that's amazing. And so now they're out there independent in the world, um, you know, creating great lives for themselves and and their children, because I know a lot of these uh, girls have have children, right? And hopefully, they'll be able to then pass that independence and, and sustainable, you know, lifestyle onto them, right? Well, and it's really interesting because we do a lot of community outreach and we try to have, you know, um, within the six month curriculum, at least three events where we invite the community to come view the girls farms um, and just, you, you know, just to kind of get them engaged. And it's always interesting because we do get a lot of people who ask, you know, why, when are you going to work with boys or, you know, when are you going to work with the elderly? Um, but over time, as we go through the program, we find that, you know, the community keeps coming back. And by the end, as the girls are graduating, they're like, you know, we understand why you did this. If you educate a girl, you know, you're educating someone's mother or mm-hmm. mother's future mother. And that's that's really how you can create change. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about what the what the vision is for the future of Cat Africa and, and kind of where you see this going overall. Yeah. So, um I mean, the girls program is a key component to our business. We also have our own commercial passion fruit farm. 
Um, and as I said, you know, we do work with established farmers. So mm -hmm. our goal is to continue working with girls. Um, I mean, it's, it's the core part of our business. But then are, we're also, you know, as we're trying to grow and scale, we're trying to work out how to best get those girls to kind of graduate from our program into being those community-based growers, you know, mm -hmm. into being those those pillars of the community that reinvest in land and restart their own farms. Right. Um, and I guess the goal with that is you know, we can bulk more produce with our own production. And eventually we would like to go into the processing of pulp. Um, so for us, the idea of having, you know, a true social enterprise would be to have, to be able to add value and be able to have a processed product um, that was essentially powered by, you know, a girl driven supply chain. Got it. Wow. Amazing. So what message would you guys share? We have a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners and high achievers that are listening uh, to our show each and every week. You know, what, what message would you guys want to share with them about the work that they're doing in the world and the impact that, you know, that they can have on, on their community and, and the people around them? I think one thing we've learned over the last four, four years or so of doing this is um, especially when in, in the impact investing space, you're constantly being pushed to, to model out your business and, you know, how is it social? How is it a business? And everything really looks one way on paper. Um, but social enterprise is not necessarily get rich quick, but it can be really rewarding if you're willing to stick with it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think both Eric and I would readily say that we've had multiple points, um, during the lifespan of our business where we looked at each other and we're just like, is this it? Should we throw in the towel? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we never yeah. have. Um, and I think we finally turned, turned that corner, um, to where we've been able to start raising investment money and, you know, we've been able to start in generating revenue um, and we've been able to see our impact start, you know, really sh showing itself in the community. Yeah. Um, and so it's been worth it for us to push through. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I'll just say, you know, just you sleep when you die. Keep hustling. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. You just got to keep doing it, man. Every day you meet a new challenge, but you have to wake up the next day and be like, okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, no matter what kind of business you're in, right? You, you got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. You got to stay passionate. You got to keep hustling. Got to remember why you're doing it. Um, yeah. what, what would you guys say has been um, like – it, when you look at kind of like the span of your life and, and you look at um, the legacy that you're creating and the work that you're doing, like what is the most meaningful aspect to you of, of what you're doing? Hmm, that's a tricky. <laughs> that's a really tricky question. Um, I think that that, you know, that's really hard for us right now because we're so in it. Um, and, and so sometimes it's hard to kind of take, take a step back and, and view, you know, the impact as a whole. I think one of the things that keeps reminding me of why I'm doing what we're doing and why we keep pushing is the relationships that we've been able to build with the team around us. Um, so just, you know, being able to positively affect both the girls, but also the staff that we work with daily, um, that we have really positive relationships with. I think, you know, to me, it's like if if even just as being a really good boss or a really good mentor or giving someone a really good opportunity, you've been able to create, you know, a very positive relationship with one person. Um, that's what really matters and mm -hmm. what I find really rewarding. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, that's amazing. Well, definitely really appreciate the work that you guys are doing in the world and the difference that you're making for people. And and thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. It's so inspiring and just, you know, really something that, you know, I think philanthropy and giving back and making a difference is, is such a huge part of the role that we all play in the world, whether it's, you know, in our, our careers or our families or our businesses or whatever the case. Um, is there anything that our listeners can do to support the work that you're doing or, or add value or you know, to help in, in terms of perpetuating the, the work that you're trying to create here? Um, I, I mean, initially, I'd say, obviously, donations would be grateful. We'd be very grateful for donations. But yeah, support our Facebook page, you know, follow us on Instagram. Yeah, Twitter. Twitter. We really try to just keep publicizing what we're doing. The, yeah. Um, yeah. To us, just having people know about the brand, know about the company, know about our story, know about the girl's story. Um, that for us is, yeah, exactly as Eric said, social media, like, please go out and like our page. Yeah. And Sh- share the link to this podcast. And, yeah. Uh, our absolutely. hashtag is passion for passion. Yeah. Uh, so if you tweet us, please tweet passion for passion. Perfect. All right. And then the website and, um, you know, Facebook page, what are, what are those if people want to connect with you guys there? Yeah. So our website is www.catafrica.org. Um, you can also email us at info at catafrica.org. Um, and that would be a really good way to get in touch about any donations or investments. Um, and our Facebook page is just Cat Africa. Um, so Facebook slash Cat Africa and Twitter is CAD underscore Africa. And our Instagram is also Cat Africa. Um, Cat Africa Limited is what the, the name of it is. That is awesome. So my call to action today for all of my listeners to Unstoppable Success Radio is check out what they're doing with Cat Africa. Share this podcast episode with as many people as possible. Connect with these guys online. Spread the word about how they're making a difference. Contribute if you can. Um, and, you know, let's, let's all keep fighting for our dreams. But remember that every single one of us can make a difference along the way. So um, Rebecca and Eric, thank you so much for being incredible guests on Unstoppable Success Radio today. Yeah, thank you, Kelly. Thank you so much, Kelly. All right. Have a great one, guys. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye. Thank you for joining this episode of Unstoppable Success Radio. To get exclusive access to Kelly's free video and audio trainings to explode your business growth, simply visit kellyroachcoaching.com and join her email community for resources she only shares there. If you love today's episode of Unstoppable Success Radio, pass it along to a friend, colleague, or client that may benefit from the content. Until next time, dream big, take action, and don't stop until you make it happen.